Welcome to the Agony Aunties podcast mini-series. Each week, we're diving into some of your questions and offering our unique insights and therapeutic expertise to help you navigate life's challenges. As seasoned therapists, I'm quite a lot more seasoned than my daughters. We're here to share our thoughts, perspectives, and a dose of compassion. So get ready for each episode where listener questions take centre stage and we do our best to provide you with thoughtful guidance and a touch of wisdom. Hello, Sophie and Emily, because it's Valentine's week, so it's about love and relationships. And we've been sent two questions. And one is, how can I approach a new relationship with a healthy balance of excitement and caution? I'm a massive overthinker. And I'm constantly worried I'm going to get hurt. I feel you. Like it, new relationships are hard, not wanting to get your hopes up, but also wanting to allow yourself to be excited because that's like part of the good part of, of being in a new relationship. And the reality is there is always a chance that you're going to get hurt, right? Like that is the truth. There's no way of having any relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship relationship, a family relationship, without the possibility of getting hurt. Love is a risky business, but the alternative to love is just being on your own and being not in relationship with anyone in any sense. And that is incredibly lonely. So, I mean, I I think I would say just sort of recognizing, yeah, there is a chance that you might get hurt, but maybe it's worth the risk. Staying in the now, like what am I enjoying? And the only other thought I had was that I think we have this sort of societal thing about relationships that the definition of a successful relationship like ends in a long-term partnership when you're with somebody for years and years and years. And that's our cultural expectation of what a good relationship looks like. You can have really successful short-term relationships. You can have really successful one-night stands that, you know, fit the bill of what you want in that moment. So I think if you can also change your definition of what you think of as success in a relationship that actually, even if you just have a few months with this person, but it's a really good few months that ends as well as things can end, that actually maybe you can see that as a success as well, because usually you learn something in relationship with someone else too. I think often with emotions, it's more about knowing how to ride the waves than not having the waves. So you are going to go through the excitement and you're going to go through the fear. And we can't really control what we feel. We can only change how we relate to the feelings that come. So finding ways to enjoy the excitement and finding ways to soothe yourself when you're worried. And I think if you're a person who's an overthinker, that's your red flag that what you're feeling is anxious and fearful is when your head is very noisy. You know, bringing your awareness essentially to oh, my head is really busy, that probably means my body is feeling scared and my mind is trying to solve the fear I feel in my body about getting hurt. So if you can find ways, whether it's exercise to release tension, whether it's breath work, whether it's seeing a friend, hot bath, what are the things for you which help soothe the fear in your body? You know, Even just doing 20 squats on the spot in your bathroom just to get rid of some of the adrenaline And sometimes you need to go up to release and sometimes you need to go down. So sometimes you need exercise to release or clenching and relaxing. And sometimes you need like hot baths and soothing things. Then that should settle your head more easily than just trying to stop thinking. And I think the thing 
that maybe joins both of what you're saying is trying not to look too far into the future of enjoy this date, this time, and keep your skylines short. That will allow you to get to know him or her, and it will allow you to show your real self when you're kind of not worrying about what you should be like in order to have the kind of long-term relationship. I would also just be curious about the fear of getting hurt. Like there's probably a reason for that. And it's probably that you've been really hurt in the past. And so I wonder if there's also something around, in, in a longer term sense, not necessarily to do with this particular relationship, but thinking about healing the hurt that that you've had so that you can go into new relationships with a cleaner slate in a way. I think that's a really nice way to end that. So the next question is, I feel like I'm losing the spark in my relationship. How can I keep the love alive amid the challenges of daily life and responsibilities? Well, immediately my head goes to Esther Perel in her book, Mating in Captivity, because I, if that person hasn't read that book, I would really recommend it because essentially that's at the heart of what she's trying to investigate is how do we stay alive and vibrant and the spark of a relationship when repetition and safety and security and um, can become deadening. Um, In fact, I think she talks about how one of the main reasons people end up having affairs is because it brings a feeling of aliveness. That's often what she hears people say. And having something new, like, you know, when you see something new in your partner, them doing something else or having a different conversation, that that ignites erotic energy. And what she talks about as erotic energy isn't just sexual energy, but it is imaginative, creative, it's vibrancy. And one of the things I took away from that is that's something that you want to cultivate between you and your partner, but it's also something you want to cultivate on your own. So erotic alive energy from going to a dance class from having fun with your friends and then you bring that back into the space between you and your partner because you've gone off and had fun and had a laugh and loosened up and then you can bring energy um, or your partner vice versa but also that sometimes just remembering that part of I think what can be deadening about long-term relationships is repetition like you're getting up every day and you're doing the same thing and you have the same habits. Your children, if you're that kind of age, are going to school or whatever. And partly realizing if you can tune in, partly just even by doing a breathing in and out to realize how actually tenuous the reality of life is, that your life, your partner's life, your family life, none of this is in fact permanent. And tomorrow everything could fall apart. (laughs) And finding ways, I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just mean being aware of the tenuousness of life, you can do that just by noticing your breath. But also you can do that by doing new things with your partner, like your mum said, of like, oh, look, there you are, a completely different person. I think it's something I find hard because I am a person of routine. I like doing the same things. So I totally agree that like the spark is created often by doing something new together, like finding ways to sort of have that energy of being playful I think there is value in schedules. (laughs) I do. Like for me personally, to like schedule time with my partner 
and, and it's not necessarily like doing something new actually like I don't do things new very often I'm gonna be honest but it's more like it's extremely rare that we'll either bother getting a babysitter just for me and him to go on a date because I'm like I don't want to spend money just for us to go <laughs> together so if we ever get a babysitter it's like usually to see friends or do something with other people that having that sort of scheduled time with each other which is in some ways exactly the same as what we do every evening which is just have that dinner dinner together but somehow like making it special so like I think you can find specialness in, in the stuff you kind of are already doing when you're fighting the challenges of daily life when you're scheduling time to just be with each other rather than exchanging to-do lists and whose turn is it, it is to do what means that you can kind of reconnect in a different way. And Emily Nagoski, who's great at talking about sex, and I don't think, by the way, sex is the only spark in the relationship, because what people talk about sex is that you have to feel warm and connected to have sex rather than going from cold to hot. So that having continuing small kindnesses to each other of what John Gottman talks about, bids for connection. But also what Emily Nagoski talks about and lots of uh, sex therapists is you do have to schedule time that is boundary time, whether it's, as Em says, going on a date, doing something together, because otherwise the relationship gets lost in all the kind of chores. And then it really does just feel like a chore. And I think the other part of it is also just to think about, I mean, like for me, when I'm feeling resentful, <laughs> like you're just so annoyed with the other person. And I think it's so easy in the sort of chores of day-to-day -day life to build up resentment against the other person. So I think as well as thinking about like the things to do for, for the spark, also think about like actually having really honest conversations with your partner about how you are feeling or if there are things that they're doing that are driving you crazy, like having those sort of productive conversations that sort of allow you to have a really open and vulnerable connection that I think yeah. like you're saying mum then allow for that connection because actually spend having dinner with a partner when you're just really pissed off with them <laughs> already it's not going to solve it unless you're sort of feeling like you want to be close to them anyway <laughs> I was listening to actually an Esther Perel episode talking to on a podcast to a couples therapist she said apparently in research the biggest blocker for women in their sort of libidos is is motherhood and sort of that kind of responsibility. And the, and the question had the phrase responsibility in it. No one's going to want to have sex with you if you don't want to have sex with you. Um, <laughs> and like, do you want to have sex with you? Do you feel in mother mode and not at all tuned in to your own sexiness or wanting to be touched? Or what do you need to do? To actually to shift the responsibility mode, which is like the anti-sex mode of like, let me take care of you into the like, I want you to take care of me. This is what I want. The desire mode, which she obviously talks a lot about. I think one more thing. I mean, there are so many things. Obviously, one can do a whole kind of series of, of podcasts on this is recognizing your different languages of love what your language of love is, and it may be with hugs or words, um, and the other person's language of love might be with deeds and, you know, uh, acts, and like talking about that together so that you can help protect against the resentment um, when you feel like you're the one that's doing all the emotional uh, work, and they may be resentful that they're doing you know, the practical order.
So one last question is Valentine's Day or this week, and I've had many, many questions um, on my Instagram feed and Facebook um, and on my app about when you're bereaved, when your partner has died around Valentine's Day and that this sort of week when all you see on social media is roses and love and how incredibly painful that is. It's not like you've forgotten that you're grieving, but it sort of sticks another knife in that is another kind of layer of painful. I think they should just cancel Valentine's Day. I think Valentine's Day is a rubbish holiday. I think it's not (laughs) great if you're in a couple. I think it's not great if you're single. And I think it's obviously (laughs) incredibly painful if you've just been bereaved. So personally, I would just get rid of Valentine's Day. Like forced, all this like forced lovey-doveyness. Like, it's not my thing. It just feels so like mm, unnatural. I don't like being forced into told like you must have fun on this night or you must yeah. do something romantic on this night, and it, like it makes me contrary. It makes me feel contrary. But, but this is obviously not a helpful answer to this question, but it, it, it is how I feel about Valentine's Day. What were you going to say, Mum? Because I feel, in a way, you're probably the person who's most qualified to answer this question. I was given ideas by other people. One is the the thing that we always say, which is acknowledge that it's painful and kind of legitimise and validate what you're experiencing. And maybe have a rant, you know, talk to a friend how much you hate it. So kind of recognise that this adds to what is already extremely painful. I think other people uh, gave me ideas is they send themselves a card from their partner or they buy themselves flowers or they meet a friend or girlfriends or um, men friends, whatever it is, and go on a kind of non-Valentine date and go to a movie or have a drink. So to kind of acknowledge it in a way that is being gentle and kind of tender towards yourself uh, whilst acknowledging it's painful. Those are lovely ideas. I think also you could just like delete your social media for that week. I Turn off, you know, things that you don't need to see that might just feel like a stab. Um, Yeah. So the things that you can avoid, avoid. And my only other thought is if it actually is a day that you have enjoyed with your partner before they died, is that, you know, we've talked before, mum's talked before about continuing bonds. And you could have a date with them. You could light a candle you could talk to them you could arrange that evening tonight that you really wanted to be close to them and you could talk about the times the dates that you've had together or the happy times you've had on valentine's day and choose it as a time to connect with love with them or your sense of them or the presence that they still have with you um and if that embracing it is easier than trying to pretend it isn't happening then perhaps you can still have a date with your loved one in a very different form I think that's a lovely idea. I have written about relationships on our TherapyWorks newsletter, which you can sign up to on Substack with some other ideas if you want to read them. And if you think this episode would be useful for a friend or a family member, do share it and help people find us. It's fantastic when you can rate and review. And until the next episode, thank you very much.